0: Welcome to the 41st episode of the Head Kit Kale podcast. Today, we're doing a breakdown of UFC fight night Edson Barbosa versus Giga Chikatse. And we're going to talk about the Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley fight. And we're going to touch on some other fights that were just announced. And we're going to end it off like we usually end it. And that's going to be by talking about next week's fight card, which is Derek Brunson versus Darren Till as the headliner. So, like I said, we're going to start it off with Edson Barbosa versus Giga Chikatse. So, this performance was a performance that really solidified that Giga Chikatse is a legit contender in this 145-pound division. And coming into this fight, we saw a lot of people questioning Giga and his abilities, and that was based solely off the fact that we had never seen him against an elite elite level fighter at 145 pounds and his last fight was against cub swanson obviously cub is very talented but he has been had some losses had some wins um nothing too crazy and then edson barbosa obviously is a major step up in competition from cub swanson so a lot of people were doubting his ability coming in but he proved he is a legit fighter um The main thing that stood out to me for Giga was his speed, uh, especially the speed of his kicks. I mean, that was always one of the highlights of his game. It is the kicks, and it is the speed of those kicks. It is his most talented feature, but I didn't think they were going to be that fast coming into this one. Um, Anytime someone has a speed advantage over Edson Barbosa, you're obviously in a good spot in your career. So, I was very impressed by Giga's performance. Um, I really liked the body kicks he was throwing. Giga throws great body kicks, and he landed quite a few of those on Edson. He was a lot more efficient with those body kicks than he was the head kicks. I wish he would throw a little bit fewer head kicks, which I know that sounds crazy considering this is the Head Kick Kale podcast, but especially in this fight, up against the barboza barboza was slipping those he was blocking most of them and well head kicks do damage even when they're blocked or even if you still roll with them the way he was throwing the body kicks he was hitting them at a very very high percentage so in the future um, he obviously needs to keep throwing them. He's going to keep throwing them, but I hope he kind of increases the frequency that he throws that body kick because over three rounds, I think he landed probably seven or eight that were very solid. If you can get that number to nine or 10, even even if it's just that small of an increase, I think that's going to have a major, major um, improvement is going to cause a major improvement in his um, performances. And the other thing that stood out to me, and this was both guys, the their abilities, both Giga and Edson, to check kicks and block kicks whether the at, at all three levels. Edson blocked a lot of head kicks. Edson didn't throw as many, so Giga didn't really have that opportunity. And then they were checking a lot of kicks, a lot of leg kicks. They both even checked some kicks to the body. I think Edson checked a couple of the kicks to the body but the ability for these guys to check kicks was tremendous to me because these are probably the two best kickers in that division. So their defensive ability against kicks was something that really stood out to me because if you can defend a kick against Edson or Giga, you can defend a kick against anybody. So that stood out to me, and that's something that we are going to have to look out for in the future. And this fight was a lot more evenly matched as well than many people were making it out to be. Um, Edson had a really good second round and he had some momentum going into the third, but came out hot, landed a couple big shots. And I think this fight after the first round, that was something that I kind of thought was, you know, the first person who lands that big shot is going to be the winner of this fight. Edson threw some massive, threw some really massive, um, shots and he never landed, um, any of the big shots he was throwing, but he was throwing shots that were, The goal for those was to put out Giga's lights. So it came down to who was going to land first, and Giga was the one who did that. When he got that shot and he landed it, he stayed composed, looked for submissions on the ground, showed some really good finishing instincts, especially against a guy like Edson. I think this stoppage, you could make the case that it was a little early. Um, And that for me, I'm saying that because that was not the most hurt That we saw Edson during that fight was when it was stopped you know what I mean there were moments a minute prior where Edson was hurt way more and it wasn't stopped um I think he recovered a little bit on the ground obviously Giga landed another shot on the feet and I think he would have eventually ended the fight but um when Edson had the chance to recover and kind of be on the ground he did just that he recovered a little bit obviously got hit again like I said but um, I think you got to give him a chance there because um, I think he was still in that fight at that time. Like I said, I don't think that would have changed the outcome at all, but I just think that is something to think about. And this raises the question, this performance, is what is next for Giga? Because you have to move Giga up in these 145-pound rankings. As much as this is a shark tank division, and he's going to have to fight um An absolute monster next. That's just the nature of the top 10 at 145. I'm really interested to see which direction we go here. He obviously said he wanted to be an alternate for the title shot. And he also said that he wanted to fight Max Holloway. Those were his two requests. Now, um, as far as being an alternate for the title shot, it has gotten to the point where that doesn't really matter that much anymore. We're not seeing fighters consistently miss weight. And when it comes to Volkanovski and Ortega, those aren't guys where you have to worry about one of them missing weight. There's going to be a backup fighter. Could it be Giga? That's a possibility. But I don't think that is going to have much of an influence um, on this fight. Now, so that leaves us with the callout of Giga calling out Max Holloway. Now, that is, I don't think that's a direction we should go. I really do not like that. Last time we saw Max Holloway in the octagon, he fought Kelvin Cater, had one of the most one sided performances in MMA history, beat Calvin Cater, and come going into that fight, Kelvin Cater was in a position where he was coming off a massive, massive knockout. Um I believe it was over Dan Ige. Let me double check on that. But that was a performance where um Calvin Cater won be a vicious knockout. That was the elbow he landed, and that was over Dan Ige. That was that big elbow he landed. Um, I'm sure you remember that. So going into the fight with Calvin Cater, Cater was, oh, my apologies. He landed the elbow on Jeremy Stevens and then edged out a decision over Dan Ige. Uh, That was Calvin Cater. So Cater, um... (sighs) Excuse me. So, Cater, um, going into the fight with Max Holloway, Cater was thought very highly of. People were calling him the best boxer in the UFC. And he was looked very highly upon coming off two impressive performances, and deservedly so. And then we throw him in there with Max Holloway, and he gets hurt, and he gets hurt bad. Now, I don't want to see the same for Giga. Anytime you have someone of Max's quality, you have to give him highly highly skilled guys and Calvin Cater is one of those guys Giga is one of those guys but there's just different levels and I don't think they're on the same level as Max right now so basically what I'm saying is I don't want to see Giga get into that position where he's in over his head against Max because you're going to be in for a very very long night and I think that is a real possibility right now I think the what makes the most sense for me Is Arnold Allen versus Giga. Arnold Allen and Giga are both coming off very good performances. If you remember Arnold Allen fought Sadiq Yusuf and looked very very good in that fight. I believe he's at number six right now in the rankings Arnold Allen is. Yep he is. And I just think we need to see a slower climb in these rankings for Giga. There's no reason to push him all the way from fighting the number nine guy to the number one guy. And I know a lot of times the rankings don't matter but um, at 145, the rankings are pretty good. It's not like we're, you know, there's some divisions that are ranked pretty badly, um, but the 145 rankings are pretty telling of who is the best in the world. And jumping from that number nine spot to that number one spot, um, I think Arnold Allen sitting at six is someone who, for both these guys, it makes sense, not just for Giga. The winner of that would prove, you know, I am a legit title contender, and I deserve to fight someone in the top five. I don't think it makes much sense to rush Arnold Allen and Giga both into the top five and give them top five opponents because, first of all, we're going to run out of top five opponents to give guys. There's only five guys in there, one of them's fighting for a title. So that really leaves you four options in the top five, being Holloway, Yair, the Korean Zombie, and Calvin Cater. Who knows when Calvin Cater is going to return? Um, so we really we're li- really limited on, really limited on options. Excuse me. So Arnold Allen versus Giga, I think makes sense. Winner gets a top five opponent, whether it be in Cater. whether it be in the Korean Zombie, whether it be in Yair or Max. Um, it makes more sense in my opinion. And also, if Max Holloway is going to fight for that or he's gonna if he's gonna fight before he fights for the belt because if max holloway doesn't fight again this year he's gonna be fighting for the belt next year um assuming ortega and volk you know is a standard fight you know need a couple months afterwards that pushes the champion into next year and um as long as everyone's healthy um max will be fighting for the belt if he does not fight another contender and if he does fight a contender, I think it has to be Yair Rodriguez. Um, I think that's a fight stylistically that would be very fun. And I think Yair is far more proven and deserving of that fight with Max than Arnold Allen or Giga. So just match them up against each other and we can move from there. And for Edson, Edson really has a lot of options just based off how stacked this 145 division is. If you, are, if you lose at the 9 slot at 145, you're going to have to fight someone at 10 through 15, very likely. So, you've got a lot of guys. There's a lot of options. Um, the one that I would like to see is actually Dan Ige, but they have already fought. Um, I'm not sure that the UFC would want to run that back. Um, another option is Josh Emmett, but I would like to see Josh Emmett move up in the rankings possibly fight someone in that top five I have been thinking recently Cater versus Emmett would make sense just because they're both injured right now and they both probably won't fight until 2022 so they make their returns against each other I think that would make sense two guys coming off a long layoff layoff fighting one another so that's why I thought Cater and Emmett so I'm not sure that the UFC would be looking at Ige versus Barbosa. And then if they do Cater and Emmett, that really doesn't leave Barbosa much ahead of him in the rankings. He's probably going to have to slide back. Whether he fights Sadiq Youssef, Ila Tuporia, I think there's a lot of good options there. But I think he's going to have to take on an up-and-comer in the 10 through 15 slot next. Now, um, that's all I've got for the main event we are going to talk about the other fights off UFC Fight Night, Barbosa versus Chikatze. But before we do that, we're going to touch on Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. I'm going to give my thoughts on that as a fight itself. Not the whole spectacle, really. So, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. I've got T. Wood in this one. And I don't have some crazy reason. This is my reasoning. I saw Ben Askren slip a punch from Jake Paul and throw a massive right hand, and he landed that. Problem being, in that exchange, Ben Askren doesn't have much in terms of punching power, so it really didn't do much. Now, if we see that same exchange happen, if T. Wood slips a punch and throws a massive right hand and connects like Ben Askren did, Jake Paul's done. His lights are out. I think that is inev- inevitable in this fight. I think he's going to slip. I think he's going to land a big right. And I think he's going to put Jake Paul's lights out. Um, my only concern for T-Wood in this fight is the chin and head movement that we have seen recently. And those concerns are not, as, are not strong enough for me to pick Jake in this fight. And that is because when we have seen Tyron... Get rocked. It's been against guys like Vicente Luque and Gilbert Burns. I don't think Covington ever landed a shot that rocked him. Um, I don't really recall if Usman did. That fight was a long time ago. Uh, if I remember correctly, that was more grappling dominant from Usman. Usman did 50-45 him, but I don't think he ever rocked him with a punch. So when you look at the times, Tyron Woodley has been rocked. It's been from Luque and Burns are the two big ones that stand out to me. Now, is Jake Paul going to hit as hard as Luque or Gilbert Burns? I'm going to have to say no, and I think the majority majority of people would agree with me on that. However, I did meet someone um, in the last couple of days that looked me in my face and said Jake Paul hits harder than Vicente, Luque, and Gilbert Burns. Um, I also don't think he listens to MMA podcasts, so if you're listening, you're probably on the side that Luque and Burns hit much harder than Jake Paul. So, um, like I said, the other thing is head movement. Um, if T Wood doesn't have some head movement, that's the that's the one thing we've seen from all of Jake's opponents. Very little head movement. But if T Wood if T Wood can incorporate some form of head movement in any type of way, I think he's going to win this fight. Um, and those are the reasons I've got Jake Paul, or excuse me, I've got T Wood against Jake Paul. And the other thing I want to talk about uh, is Tyron Woodley. In the lead up to this fight, is probably the most likable Tyron Woodley has ever been. Tyron Woodley, if you don't remember, was not very likable or marketable as a UFC champion. And now we see him against Jake Paul, where he's in all these media situations, and he just keeps coming out of the winner as, or excuse me, he keeps coming out as the winner in almost all of these situations. Um, he made some very good points with Jake Paul. He made Jake Paul speechless a couple times. He had some very, he's had some very, very funny lines. Um, I've I haven't watched the interview. I've seen most of the clips on Twitter, the important ones. So if you've seen those, you know Woodley has really just been putting it on Jake in terms of press conferences and media appearances. So and that is something we haven't seen from Woodley. That's something that I find very interesting. Is that now we're seeing the most personality we have ever seen out of tyron which i think is interesting and i think this situation allows for that and it makes me like tyron Woodley be a lot more and it's interesting to see how he has become far more marketable now that he has now now that he's outside the ufc so um i think that's really interesting and i'm interested to see what he does if he wins this fight if he wins this fight um and he's shown to be more marketable. I'm going to be interested to see what they've got next for him. Because I imagine that a lot of people are going to know who he is after this fight. Especially if he baptizes Jake Paul. And Now, circling all the way back to UFC Fight Night. Um, Barbosa versus Chikadse. I wanted to sneak the Jake Paul and Tyron Winley a bit in there. Because... I knew a lot of people would be interested, so I didn't want to hide it in the middle. It's right there in the two-slot for us. Um, So let's circle back to Barbosa and Chikatse. So the co-main event was the tough finale, um, and that was Brian Battle versus Gilbert Urbina. Now, I wasn't overly excited to see this fight, in all honesty. Um, I really thought Treshawn, um, for those who didn't watch this show, Treshawn Gore beat Gilbert Urbina, and made it to the finals of the show. And he tore his ACL, I believe. Um, Don't quote me on that, but it was 100% a knee injury. So we had to pull out, and then Urbina stepped in. So in my eyes, we weren't watching the two best 185-pounders on the show. And you could make the case that Andre Petroski is better than Urbina as well. So, I just don't think Urbina was one of the top two guys. So, I wasn't too excited coming in. But the fight itself was a great fight. Urbina came in, guns blazing, had Battle hurt. Battle went through more adversity in this fight than he did in any other fight during the show. And he eventually got the submission in round two. I was very impressed by Battle to be able to, you know, withstand that early onslaught that he took. Wins the fight. Very impressed by Brian Battle. And Urbina made it, you know, even though he didn't win, I think he kind of silenced a lot of people who thought he didn't deserve to be here um, in this fight. Me being one of those, hands up, you got me. Now, the Bantamweight Finals fight was Ricky Tercios versus Brady Highstand. And this was a tremendous fight. Ricky Tercios won. If you didn't watch this fight, go back and watch it. This fight was just pure wildness. I don't know how else to describe it. I'd love to explain it to you, but you can't really explain what happened. The best way to explain this fight is to tell you that people were comparing Ricky Tercios to Tony Ferguson after the fight. and if you have ever watched a Tony Ferguson fight, you know he's a wild man. so that's the best way to describe this Ricky Tercios and a Brady high Stand fight. Now even though Brady didn't win, I still think the UFC should show him a con- or give him a contract. I mean, when you put on a fight like that, I believe it got fight of the night, so he at least got 50 Gs, and but I think he deserves that contract. He was in a very close fight, didn't win, but he was one half of that great fight. Give him a contract. Um, the other fight from the Ultimate Fighter was Andre Petroski versus Michael Gilmore, and Petroski, I think, was possibly the best fighter to not make it to the finals definitely at um, 185 pounds Um, I guess you can make the case I don't really want to compare bantamweights and middleweights so I think he was the best middleweight to not make the finals that's not counting Sean because he did make it he just got injured and he got a chance against Michael Gilmore and if you aren't aware Michael Gilmore on the show stepped in on I believe two days notice um, He was an alternate, so he stepped in on two days' notice and lost his fight. So they gave him another opportunity in the UFC, this time against Andre Petrosky, also on the show, like I said. This fight was way closer than it should have been. Andre Petrosky is a wrestler and a submission specialist. Michael Gilmore, all three of—he was 6-3 and three coming in, and all three of his losses were via submission. So when you put a submission specialist— and a sub- submission um, liability together. You would think it would end by submission early, but it did not. It was a TKO for Petroski in the third round, and Gilmore had his moments. He, I think he won. You could make the case he won a round. One of the rounds was really 50-50. Um, Petroski won one, and then the other one, like I said, was 50-50. Petrosky gets to finish in the third. Unfortunately, Michael Gilmore probably we will not be seeing him in the ufc again um great guy um all the clips from him on the show he was a really nice guy um willing to step in on short notice just couldn't get the job done and i believe this fight was on short notice as well just because they needed another fight for the main card so they called up two guys from tough and that's how we got this fight Petrosky comes out the winner and possibly a ufc contract i guess we'll have to wait and see and then The last big, big fight was Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. And Kevin Lee, obviously, is one of the more polarizing figures in MMA. Talks a lot. Thinks he is amazing. Said he was top five at welterweight. Um, This was his first fight at welterweight Um, in a long period of time. He has fought at 170 before. I don't remember when the date on that was. That was a while ago. Moving up from 155. And Daniel Rodriguez was just the better fighter in that fight. He was able to defend some takedowns. Kevin Lee got some takedowns and had some control time. He won a round. He definitely won the first round. But in the last two rounds, Rodriguez really pushed the pace, was able to back Kevin Lee up very well, and landed some ones, land some twos, landed a lot of leg kicks, and he really just beat down on Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee almost came back. He landed a big shot there in the third, And this was just a really close fight. And fortunate for Daniel Rodriguez, he came out on top. Kevin Lee did not. Now, these guys both have really interesting futures ahead of them. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly where they go. Because on one hand, you can say Daniel Rodriguez looked tremendous. And he deserves a top 15 spot and a big opportunity. But on the other hand, a lot of people are going to say Kevin Lee is a bomb. Now that makes it really hard because you don't know what what the UFC is thinking there. If the UFC is thinking Kevin Lee's a bomb, Daniel Rodriguez isn't gonna get an opportunity that a lot of the fans think he deserves. And then, in my opinion, Daniel Rodriguez is slowly and very this is the first fight that he's kind of done it, you know in a big fashion, I guess, or on a big spotlight just because it was Kevin Lee. He fought Mike Perry, and, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, Mike Perry's a bum, you know, not really that great of a performance, but he beat up Mike Perry. Um, You know, that fight was not very competitive, and Daniel Rodriguez won a large, you know, by a large, large margin and that's just another you know example of you know people kind of overlooking daniel rodriguez and i think at this point we have to give him a ranked guy um if some people think he's bad some people think he's tremendous so give him a ranked guy and we'll find out real quick um i don't know how else to put that and that ranked guy could be a lot of guys um 170 is really interesting right now from ten through fifteen. I'd like to see Jeff Neal. I just think that would be a great fight by the style by the way, these two fight that would be tremendous. We've got Lee Jing Liang is fighting soon. Who is Jing Liang fighting? I am oh Jing Liang and why can't why am I drawing a blank there? But there are some guys matched up um, in that 185 pound division. Um, You'd think I would be able to remember because I did do a full episode on matching or just breaking down all the fights that have been booked. And I just cannot for the life of me remember. How tremendous. Um, I'll pull that up in a second. But for Daniel Rodriguez, Daniel Rodriguez, like I said, very interesting fighter who I really like the way Daniel Rodriguez fights. Daniel Rodriguez is so i don't want to say he's technical but he just cho- throws a lot of straight shots and he's very accurate with them he throws a lot of jabs follows them up with a two behind it and mixes in some hooks and when he does mix in hooks he lands them very well as well lands big shots with those um leg kicks he he's very high on leg kicks and i think he's going to be a problem at 170 and for kevin lee I don't know where Kevin Lee goes from this. Kevin Lee is in not that great of a spot because he is a he is the biggest tweener in terms of divisions. If there was a hundred eighty-five or uh, excuse me, one hundred sixty-five pound division, Kevin Lee would be the first one to join that division. And. I don't know how Kevin Lee can be successful at 155 or 170 because he just has trouble making that 155 pound weight and he just seems slightly undersized at 170. I think he did the right things filling out um, and getting to a larger frame to fight at 170 but there was just something there where the size in terms of height seemed to be a problem for Kevin Lee. I don't know where Kevin Lee goes from here. Dana was saying he might not fight in the UFC again. Um, I just hope Kevin Lee fights again soon. Because I think one of the biggest problems for Kevin outside of determining what weight class to fight in is his inactivity. And that is not his fault. Um, He went through two big-time knee injuries. That's why he hadn't fought since early 2020. Almost a year ago. Way more than a year ago. A year and a half ago. But I just hope we see Kevin Lee in early 2022. I think that is going to be the key for Kevin moving forward is just, you know, um, being active. And I think that's going to be the number one way for him to improve. Kevin Lee, uh, side note, is still also 28 years old. So Kevin Lee has a lot of time left. So I don't think we should give give up on him now. That is the last thing I've got for Kevin Lee and Daniel Rodriguez. Um, also, I absolutely cannot believe Gerald Murchard won his fight against Makumov Muradov. Um, Gerald Murchard, I watched Gerald Murshardt fight, and I look at him, and I'm like, I don't know how this guy's in the UFC. That's exactly what I was saying watching that fight in the first round. He did not look great, and then... You know, he started landing some shots in that first round, and I was like, what's going on here? And then in the second round, he started landing some more shots. Tide started turning more. And he eventually wins via rear naked choke. Um, Good for Gerald Murchardt because there's a lot of people who share that opinion with me. Um, You know, he has been relentlessly looked down upon since he lost to Hazmat Chimaev. So to see him go in there and get a win... Um, Good for Gerald Merchardt. And then moving on to our news portion of this episode. If you watched the fights last night, you know that the UFC showed a um, pop-up card for UFC 268. And pretty much just showed who is fighting on that card now that is usually pretty standard because if you're in the mma world if you're on mma twitter if you see tweets if you follow pages on instagram you will know who's fighting and when you see those cards pop up you're usually like okay i i knew that um but this one was different because the ufc was able to hide i think three or four fights from being announced until they showed the card or they showed the card live on air which is very uncharacteristic. The number one fight that was announced for that card, and if you um don't remember, UFC two sixty eight is, or is it was it two sixty nine? Um, it's the card with Usman and Covington. So um they added a co-main to that, and that fight was Wei Li Zhang versus. Rose Nam um, for the belt, and if I heads up, apologize for this. My computer did disconnect from the Wi-Fi, and the Wi-Fi is not working. That's why I'm sitting here playing around to my computer. Always great when that happens. But we're gonna we're gonna get through it. Now Rose Nam Eunice versus Wei Li Zhang. I have seen a lot a lot of people uh, not happy with this fight. They said Carla Esparza. Deserved this title opportunity. Now, I am not as mad as a lot of other people. Um, I completely understand as well why people are disappointed and why they thought that Carla Esparza deserved that title shot. Um, She's coming off, I believe, four wins in a row. Has looked very good in in her last four. Now, in my opinion, I'm not that mad about this. And that is simply for one reason. I think that Wei Li Zhang and Rose Namajunas are the two best fighters in that weight class. Regardless of who they've beat as of recently, I really, really struggle saying that Carlos Barza is a better fighter than Wei Li Zhang. So I think we are seeing the top two most talented fighters fight for the belt. So... I'm not terribly upset about that. Um, I understand that Carla Esparza 100% deserved it. um, So I get why people are angry. But at the same time, I want to see the two best fighters fight for the belt. And I think that's what we're getting here. And I know that Rose looked very impressive in her last performance. I think this fight's going to be a lot more competitive. Um. Rose landed a big shot early, was able to put Wei Li down. But I don't think we saw to the best extent of Wei Li's abilities. abilities. So I'm really interested to see this fight. Once again, I am excited and I am happy to see this fight. Um, one of the other fights, this fight was not a surprise fight. This fight was, I think, announced two or three days ago. And that is Chito Vera versus Frankie Edgar. Now, that fight is really interesting to me, and I know exactly what the UFC did. Uh, the UFC wanted Sean O'Malley versus Frankie Edgar, but Sean didn't want that fight to take place in New York. He wants to fight on the West coast. He said and he wants to fight Nevada. He said lower taxes, less travel, closer to home. So you know, I don't really blame him for that, but he is missing up on a, or missing on a big opportunity. Now, so what the UFC decided to do was they were like, oh, well, if Sean O'Malley doesn't want to fight Frankie Edgar, we'll give it to the guy that beat Sean O'Malley. So now we've got Frankie Edgar versus Chito Vera. Now, Chito Vera, Chito Vera is someone where, and Frankie as well, where I don't know where these guys stand in the division. They're two very two guys who are very hard to pinpoint where they're at right now. Because Cheeto did beat Sean O'Malley. And then he lost to Jose Aldo. So there's a big range there where he beat beat a very impressive looking Sean O'Malley, but Sean O'Malley is also unranked. And then he lost to Jose Aldo, who is someone who has looked tremendous in his most recent fights. So is Sean O'Malley closer to the unranked or is he closer to the top five? Um, I'm not sure for Frankie Edgar. Frankie is someone who is a legend in the sport. And he is someone who also got knocked unconscious very badly in his last fight. So where do these two guys stand? I am um, no, I have no clue. What I do know is these two are going to go fight. And the winner is going to move up. And I don't think there's much more to be said than that. Another fight that was just announced was Irine Aldana. Versus Jermaine Durandamy. And I'm happy they made this fight. Um, There's a lot of directions the UFC can go. With 135 and 145. This is obviously at 135. But Jermaine has fought at 145. So has Holly Holm. So some of those fighters at 135. Like to test the waters at 145. But Durandemi and Aldana. Number 1 and number 4. Going at it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Arena Eldana, um, despite her one setback against Holly Holm as of late, has looked very good. I really like her boxing. She is a very powerful striker. So is Jermaine Durand So in my eyes, this is going to be a fun fight. This is um, a fight I'm going to be looking forward to. And there isn't really much more to be said than that. And if you want an update on my computer situation, it is still not connected to the internet. Yes. Let's go. Um, So everything I've done in the last 10 minutes has been off the dome. So straight from the memory bank. Um, And then there was one other big fight that I absolutely cannot remember that was announced. Um, And that card, UFC 268, is looking absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. And um, we'll touch on the other fight that was announced, if this will load. But if I can't get my computer to connect to the Wi-Fi, we're going to jump straight to the next thing that I've got remembered in the dome, and that is next week's fight card, and that is Darren Till. Versus Derek Brunson this is a really interesting fight to me Derek Brunson is someone who loves to crash the party Kevin Holland having a great little fun party having a good time Derek Brunson came in crashed the party with about 150 takedowns in that fight or it might have been five that uh, Kevin Holland could not stand up from after he got those takedowns but you know feels about the same morally Now, the question is, can Derek Brunson do the same thing to Darren Till? We're going to have to wait and see, because Darren Till was taken down by Robert Whitaker in the later rounds of that fight, and that really swung the fight's momentum in Whitaker's favor. Now, the question is, how much of that was because Darren Till has struggles defending a takedown? How much of that was because he had a blown-out knee, and it was... Late in a fight with Robert Whitaker, That was really um, majority striking base before that. So not only is Robert Whitaker switching up um, game plans like that. And, you know, that's, I can't imagine Darren Till was thinking, oh, better make out, better watch out for the takedown in that fight. So this fight coming in, Darren Till's going to have a lot more focus on takedown defense than he did with Robert Whitaker. And he's going to be a lot healthier. Um, obviously, if you don't remember, Darren Till did um, injure his knee in the first round of that fight. Or maybe it was the second round, it was really early. And I do think Darren Till is going to be able to stop Derek Brunson takedowns. And based on what we saw with Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson, based on what we've seen with Brunson versus Adesanya and others. I think when this fight is on the feet, Darren Till is going to have a lot of success, and I think he needs to be a lot more active than he has been. Darren Till, one of the biggest, biggest um, critiques of Darren Till by UFC fans is he's not very active with strikes, you know, and that is a legit gripe that fans have. So I think if Derek Brunson could come out, be active early, I think he's going to catch... um, Derek Brunson with some big shots and hurt him. Even Kevin Holland, I think that fight was on the feet for a total of, like, five minutes at the most in the entirety of that 25-minute fight. And Kevin Holland was able to land shots that really hurt Derek Brunson. So I think Darren Till is going to be able to do the, do the same. And I've got Darren Till in this one by KO. That is my prediction. And this card has really, you know... It's really hard to know who's fighting on this card because this card has had so many changes, so many rumored changes. Um, Tom Espinoza, um just to clear up on that, a lot of that is because this card was supposed to take place in England. And then the UFC had to pull out of England because of COVID. So they're still staying um, nationally in the U.S. And... Um, Um, so a lot of the fighters have visa troubles coming over. And that's, you know, you're going to have that. These guys thought they were fighting in. These guys thought they were going to be fighting in England. They're from England. Don't need a visa to travel. Don't need a work visa. Now, all of a sudden, get switched to America. Now they can't get a visa in time. Have to pull out. That happened to LaRon Murphy. There were rumors it was going to happen to Patty Pimblett, Then it didn't. Who knows? Um and it's been really hard to find news. There has been um conflicting news. Um I've been in several situations where I've seen fight announcements, fight cancellations from sources that I um usually look towards. So um who knows? Who knows is fighting on this card? But right now, the only other fight that I'm gonna touch on, or actually not true, um, I'm gonna touch on a couple fights. But Tom Espinall versus Sergey Spivak is a big fight. It's the heavyweight fight of the night. It is the co main um two guys who are coming up in this heavyweight division. Tom Espinall, 10 and 2. Sergey Spivak, 13 and 2. And I've got Tom Espinall in this one. Tom Espinall is someone who I look very highly on, or I think very highly of, as a heavyweight prospect. I really liked his fight with Arlovsky. He had some good moments on the feet, took the fight to the ground, won via submission. So that shows to me he's comfortable on the ground. And I think he's just a better fighter in this one. Um, I don't have some big X's and O's um, breakdown. Um, I just think Tom Aspinel is a better fighter, and I think he's going to come out with a win. And then um other fight I wanted to touch on was Patty Pimblet versus Luigi Vendorami. Now, um for those who don't know, Patty Pimblett is coming in with a good amount of hype. A lot of people really like Patty, um, a very well known. This is his first fight inside of the UFC. Um I believe he was fighting in Cage Warriors. He fought in some smaller promotions, um, finally making his UFC debut. People are excited. People are ready. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see if Patty Pimblet is the real deal or not. Um, that's really all to be said for that. And then the other fight that was added. Oh, actually, we're going to finish talking about this first. Um, another, the last fight that I'm going to touch on. For this fight card coming up this week. Is Bantamweight fight Jack Shore. Going up against Ludwig Shalinian. If you were not aware. Ludwig Shalinian is also a fighter. From Tough. He is stepping in on short notice to fight Jack Shore. I did not even know that fight was announced. Until I just saw it. So this is news to me. And I'm bringing news to you. This fight is going to be a very good fight. Jack Shore has looked tremendous inside of the UFC. He has shown a lot of good wrestling. He is 14-0. A lot of people think very highly of Jack Shore. He's one of the best unranked bantamweights. Um, and being one of the best unranked bantamweights says a lot because the depth outside of the rankings at the UFC bantamweight division is tremendous. Um... Umar Nurmagomedov is one of those guys as well. Um, so for people to think that highly of Jack Shore really says a lot about him. So, and Livic Shalinian also is a very good wrestler. And is someone who I thought very highly of on the show. He did not make it to the finals. But I am glad to see him get an opportunity in the UFC. And I'm interested to see. Um, the one thing that I don't know about these tough contestants... Are are they fighting on one-fight contracts, or did they get full UFC contracts? Um, Because they were fighting in the UFC, on a UFC card, not on the show. So, for example, Michael Gilmore and Andre Petrosky, did they get one-fight deals, and then um, with a clause in there that they get another fight if they win? I'm not really sure how that works. Um, I've tried to find that information. I haven't been able to find it, like Ludwig Shalinian this fight isn't even on the tough finale episode. It's just a normal UFC card. So is he going to come out in the tough shorts and look at an opportunity? Or is he, you know, or is he under UFC full UFC contract now? I don't know. I would love to have the answer. Um, so if anyone has the answers, um, leave that answer in the YouTube comment section for me. And then the last fight. That was a secret announcement from last night. was Bobby Green versus Al Quinta. This might be the fight I'm most excited for. Out of all the fights that I have talked about. Because Bobby Green, as he lost his last fight to Hafael Fazeev, he looked very good. He landed some very good shots. And he was very entertaining. Al Quinta, I assumed Al Quinta retired because I can't even remember the last time he fought. Um... But Ally Quinta is no joke at 155. He was ranked before he was pulled out of the rankings due to inactivity. So I'm interested to see who wins this fight and where they move from here. I think that's going to be a very entertaining fight. Um, just about every Bobby Green fight is at least entertaining. And when you're fighting a good fighter like Ally Quinta, it only makes it more entertaining. So um, add Ally Quinta to now the list of tremendously talented unranked fighters at 155. And then that is going to be all I have for today's episode of the Headkick Kale podcast. Thank you once again for listening and don't forget to come back next week because we will be talking about Darren Till versus Derek Brunson. We'll be breaking down that fight, the other interesting fights on the card. We'll talk about what's next for both Till and Brunson after that fight. We'll break any other news that's Happens from now to next week, and it should be a fun time. Hopefully, my computer stays connected to the internet for the entirety of that episode. Cross your fingers. And once again, thank you for watching this episode of the Head kick KO podcast. If you made it this long, you might as well like and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, if you're on some other streaming platform, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, whatever might as well follow you might as well like you might as well share if you made it this far so once again thank you and goodbye